Thank you. It's lovely to be here with my wife Ruth, is uh, sitting just halfway back on the right, and uh, we've very much appreciated the hospitality of Glenis. Uh, fabulous place. I think Howard and Christine were staying there too, and uh, so that was a delightful uh, time being there. And we're enjoying uh, something of your beaches because we like beaches and Ocean Beach walking for kilometres and. I think we saw a couple of other people, and that was about it. It was lovely, really delightful. And Howard is a wonderful man of faith uh, and love and gentleness and compassion. Um, he is uh, very steady and reliable and faithful. I've just seen that over the years. As for me being moderator, that means nothing to you. So uh, it's just a glorified chairperson. That's all it is. So may something of what I say uh, help you this morning. Um, I'm only 60 and I, I have a little bit of Gaelic blood running through me. So if I get a wee bit excited, please, I'm, I'm not 80 yet. And uh, maybe it'll slow down. But um, I think it's just great news that we share. And we belong to this wonderful thing called church. And we belong to Jesus Christ. So please bear with me. And I want to just share with you something of wind and fire. Wind and fire. You know, we read Acts 2. And we, as we read it, we go, how wonderful. You know, tongues of fire and roaring wind and, and people are just filled with wonder and they're prophesying the wonders of God in different languages and everybody's seeing them and it's so wonderful, they think they're drunk. And uh, of course, Peter reminds them that they're not. It was just the fulfillment of Joel. And it's astonishing, that promise of Joel that had been gathering dust for hundreds of years It's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. Wind and fire. The first believers. And they look as if they're drunk, but they're not. First message preached in the New Testament, and it's likened to being drunk. I used to abuse alcohol before I became a Christian at 21. I think I know what that's like, and it's not so good. And they're experiencing the new wine of new life. New life in Christ. They're prophesying the wonders of God. They're seeing visions. They're seeing dreams as time goes on. And that gave their lives purpose. It gave them dignity. It gave them a reason to get up in the morning. It gave them momentum. It gave them courage. Wonderful, wonderful thing. And we can read that story this morning and we can go, well, how's that possible? Huh. How's that possible? It is so fantastic. And I think of my own life. I think of sometimes church and sometimes the church in New Zealand. I go, it's like another world. It's like another world. I can read that story and go, oh. Because sometimes this book can feel cold. This book can feel lifeless. This book can feel like it doesn't really relate to me. It doesn't really relate, and I love what Helmut Flick, who was a German preacher after World War II, imagine preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ in Berlin after all of the devastation and the horrors of World War II, and he loved Jesus Christ. It just shows you that Jesus Christ can forgive anyone, and Jesus Christ can use anyone, and hundreds and hundreds and thousands of students would come, and Helmut Flick was the man of God for that moment, and he preached week in and week out, gave people hope, gave them dignity, because so many of them had 
into their lives, putting your heads in ovens and everything else that could be done that was horrible, including what happened to other nationalities and ethnicities, of course. And he said this. He said, that which was petrified lava. That which was petrified lava. The promise of Joel, that which was petrified lava, the word of God that was petrified lava had suddenly on the day of Pentecost become molten again. You know, with the wind and fire of the Holy Spirit, this book that can feel cold and lifeless and irrelevant to our lives can suddenly become hot. It can suddenly become relevant. It can suddenly become life-giving. We believe in God the Father. We believe in God the Father. He's a wonderful, wonderful heavenly Father. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. He's a wonderful, wonderful God. The only religion in the world where God is described as Father. Wonderful thing, Father. And the truth of the matter is, it certainly was true for me, and it's true for most people that I've encountered, and being a pastor for 34 years, it's true for all the people I've met, that we cannot experience the Father's love because the Bible says our sins have cut us off from the living God. So God the Father became flesh in Jesus Christ. The Word we read became flesh in Jesus Christ. And the Bible tells us this very, very interesting verse in Romans 5, 6. While we were powerless, Christ died for us. And so through simple faith, just simply believing and trusting, just as our friends were talking about the wonderful mission trip in Vanuatu. It's a beautiful place, lovely, sunny, and warm. And through simple faith in what Jesus Christ did for us on that cross, we can experience the Father's love. We can experience forgiveness. We can experience eternal life. We can do all of that. But I just want you to underline Romans 5, 6 for a moment. We can still be powerless. We can be saved and powerless. We can be forgiven and powerless. Powerless, energyless. See, I read Acts 1 8 in that context, and the disciples certainly believed and they were forgiven. And Jesus had even breathed on them, and yet they're powerless. Wait in Jerusalem until you receive power from on high. They were powerless at that point in time. And I read my Bible, and it says that in the last days there'll be people who hold to an outward form of religion but deny its power. We can be powerless. I think of. Uh, the parables that Jesus told, and he said, the worries of life, don't they get you down? The worries of life, the deceitfulness of riches. And we, we get so concerned about so many things, and suddenly it can just swamp us and overwhelm us and dissipate our faith, and we're powerless. 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 We can just simply forget I've got to that age where, well, actually it happened when I was 21, so it hasn't changed anything. But I have to write things down because I, I sometimes forget. You know. Did you do that? Ah, I forgot. So I write lists. I put it on my phone. I write lists. And, but we can forget what God's done. 
The whole book of Deuteronomy is a book about, don't forget, remember. Remember what the Lord your God has done. We can simply forget. We can, we can get so worried. We can read and listen to transcripts because of the desire to be so transparent today concerning evil that is happening in our country and that horrible situation with a, a woman and a man. I, I, the first couple of times I turned it down and I've heard a little bit about what's happened, but because of the increase of wickedness, Jesus prophesied, the love of most will grow cold. Yeah. Sometimes you can just watch the news and it's a horror movie right there on my TV. It's the 6.30 news. And we can find our courage wanes and our love grows cold and we're powerless. And Jesus just really summed it up. He said, our flesh is weak. Our flesh is weak. Let me give you just one example of many. Jesus Christ said, but seek first. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. And, and we go, well, it's 2019 now, and yeah, that was okay for Jesus to say that, but I, I, he, he didn't have iPhones then, and he didn't have Androids, and and, and besides that, life is so much more complicated now. And he didn't have social media. So besides, besides, my biggest argument is that I don't have to do that is because he was single. He didn't have the worries of married people and grandparents and all that sort of thing. So, you know, Hollywood are calling people who are single now self-partnered. I thought that was rather interesting. So people who choose to be single now are just partnering with themselves. I thought that was rather interesting. Uh, how are you? I'm fine. I've self-partnered a while ago. Well, that's interesting. Jesus was single, so what does he know about what I'm facing? The flesh is weak. It really is weak. And so subtly, incrementally. We don't mean to do it, but we suddenly relegate. We suddenly deprioritize. We suddenly downgrade public worship and the reading of Scripture and Bible study and prayer and serving and giving it. We don't do it intentionally. It just sort of happens. It just happens. And the power of the gospel seeps out of our life, and we suddenly find ourselves powerless. And I just simply want to say this, we need wind of fire to restore that which has been taken away from us. We need wind of fire. Wind and fire. We need that story of Acts 2 to be alive in our lives. And we can read Acts 2 and we go, well, that's just amazing tongues of fire, wind, and they prophesy wonders, and they look as if they're drunk on the Holy Spirit, or drunk on wine, but it's they're, the reality is they're filled with the Holy Spirit. And we go, well, that's the Bible world. And, and then there's God's word and world, and this is my world. And, and the three just seem to be so disconnected. How does that relate to me? Because I've got some pressures at home, and somebody's loved friend has just died. And, and, and then there's a euthanasia referendum, and there's a whole lot of other stuff happening. How does that relate? How does that connect? Well, I just want to say wind and fire of the Holy Spirit can help us connect. And this can become molten again. It can become burning hot for us. It can burn in our hearts afresh. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Here's the really good news about the Holy Spirit, very briefly. 
The Holy Spirit is for all of us. Acts 2.17, I will pour out my spirit on all people. You are important. You might go, oh, well, that person over there or this person over there, they're better than me. They deserve it. No, no, no. We, none of us deserve anything from God, I least of all. But, but he wants to because he's full of mercy and compassion. He pours out a spirit and the promise is on all people. It's on you. Put your hand up a little bit or nod your head and say, I'm one of the people that are alive on planet Earth. And this is for you. It's 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 not for just the special. It's not just for the good. It's for all of us. It really, really is. And here's the second thing. The Holy Spirit, as Bishop Taylor put it, I like what he said. The Holy Spirit is the go-between God. The go-between God's world and the Bible world and our life. The go-between the Father, the Son, and ourselves. A wonderful phrase. The Father sends the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name, Jesus said. And the Holy Spirit is God, one of the Trinity. In Acts 5, we read of Ananias and Sapphira, and they went and Sadly, they lied, and they lied to God, and they lied to the Holy Spirit, one and the same. And there was a sad ending to that story. Jesus said, of course, we can blaspheme his name, and of course, we can blaspheme the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is God. And then fourthly, the Holy Spirit empowers us. You shall receive power. The Greek word is dunamon, from which we get the word dynamite. It means ability. It means, according to Strong's, power and I love this, it means abundance. Oh, I want that. I need that. The first believers in chapter 2, verse 4, were enabled to speak in other languages. And they prophesied of the wonders of God. Then there's something else about the Holy Spirit. Number five, the Holy Spirit can live in us to help us. I don't know about you, but some days I feel a lot less powerful than other days. The Bible says the righteous are as bold as a lion, but some days I feel like a lamb. That's why I love the picture of Jesus Christ. He's the lamb of God who takes away our sin, and he's so gentle with us. He's also the lion of Judah, and he's triumphant and victorious and powerful, and he wants to help us. And so the Holy Spirit lives in us to help us. I need that, and I'm sure you do as well. The Holy Spirit helps us experience the new wine of new life in Christ. I love this passage because I don't know about you, but I'm 60 and our eldest is 30. She's married in Sydney and we're so grateful for each of our three adult children and and then Dan's 28 and Sarah's 26. And it seemed just like yesterday that Rachel was a baby and Ruth had to get carried away to get sewn up because of the nature of the birth and the delivery. But life goes so quickly. I think of the 21 years I lived and my parents, he was a preacher and my mom uh, was a wonderful woman. And I'm only alive because they prayed for me. I should be dead, well and truly dead, in another place that's different to heaven. And Here's the good news. The good news is that I wasted a lot of my life. And sometimes we can feel like those years were wasted. And that's the prophet Joel who, who says, God will pour out a spirit on all flesh and he'll restore the years the locusts have eaten. Sometimes life can become a blur and there can be because of some illness, because of some mental challenge, because of some addiction, because of some challenge. Suddenly five years, ten years, it's just a blur and God pouring out a spirit on us can restore those years. Restore the years the locusts have eaten. I love that promise. I love that promise. So 
My question is this. I believe in the Holy Spirit, and I've had experiences of the Holy Spirit. And one adjective that can describe something of those experiences is power, simple as that, power. But my question is this. How can we go on being baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit? Don't be too worried about the words here because Acts 1.5, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Uh, Acts 2.4, filled, I believe they're synonymous. Uh, the importance or the important thing is this, that we are filled, we're baptized with the Holy Spirit, that wind and fire of the Holy Spirit comes into our lives. That's what's needed. Now I know the Holy Spirit can come gently. Sometimes we're crushed in our lives and I don't need, you don't need me to tell you that. Sometimes you feel like you can't get up. Sometimes you feel like you can't go through another day. I, I, I don't need, you don't need me to tell you that because you know what it's like. And sometimes the Holy Spirit comes just as Elijah who prayed that he would die. It's okay to feel like you want to die sometimes. Don't be condemned over that. Understand some of the great saints wanted to die. Jonah was one. Elijah was one. Moses was another. They were great men of God. And they got so low, so exhausted, so depleted that they just pray, God, I want to die. That's okay. And when it's like that, the Holy Spirit comes just as he came to Elijah in a gentle whisper and just restores us and is gentle with us and Howard's one of those people. He's gentle and kind, and you can seek him anytime you like, and he'll pray with you. Well, within reason, not two o'clock in the morning, perhaps. <laughs> but the Holy Spirit also comes as wind and fire. Wind. Think of that metaphor. Wind. Ruach is the Hebrew word, and pneuma is the Greek word used in the Old Testament, New Testament. And they both mean wind and breath. How we need the wind of the Holy Spirit, the breath of God. I wonder how many of us have been following Jesus Christ for more than 10 years. Anybody here been following Jesus Christ for more than 10 years? Okay. Anybody here got bread in their pantry that's 10 years old? <laughs> Please give it to me when I'm sick. The penicillin will be great and the mold's pretty good. Do you know this? I've learned something. And I'm sure you have too. Most of what I'm telling you, you already know. We can get really stale. <laughs> I heard that phrase, crusty. Let's not be too crusty. We can get stale. We can get really, really stale. Our spiritual life can get stale. I think of cobwebs, the cobwebs of complacency and lukewarmness and familiarity with the things of God. Think of Frodo and the Lord of the Rings and, and the spider wrapped him up in spider's web and of course spider silk and he couldn't move and I believe there are two enemies we face as Christians. There's the enemy of the lion, the enemy of God who roars and prowls around like a lion seeking to devour us. And then uh, the enemy, I think, can be like a spider where he sows sticky cobwebs over us and we become inactive. We're unable to move. We become stale. There's dust on our Bible. <sighs> My mom, when I became a Christian at 21, I only prayed twice before I became a Christian, though they prayed for me often. Once was, God, am I going to die? And then secondly, it was, God, if you're real, show me. And a friend came around to see me and introduced me to Christ. And sometimes she wrote in my Bible, we can get dust on this Bible. She said, when there's dust on this book, there'll be rust in your heart. And I found that to be true. 
I found that to be true. So the enemy can come like a spider sowing cobwebs over us. We become an act of stale and dust can gather on us and momentum can be lost. Inertia can kick in and we're not as active and we're not as vitally connected to Christ as we once were and what he wants us to be. And what we need are those breaths of fresh air. We can get stuck in an office all day and how we can get dozy and perhaps a wee bit lazy. And, and we need to move out into the fresh air and gulp those mouthfuls of fresh air because then we feel healthy and vitality comes and energy comes back into our life. It's exactly the same with the Holy Spirit. We need the wind of God to blow away the cobwebs. I love what Peter said. The prophets were carried along by the Holy Spirit. The Greek word is translated hoisting sails. And so as we hoist our sails, the wind of the Holy Spirit carries us along. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing. We need the wind of God to fill our sails. I mean, who wants to become becalmed? Really, who wants to become becalmed? I know there'll be people here that have done some sailing. We have some people in our church who have sailed regularly to Fiji and other places. Uh, But who wants to become becalmed? It's okay if life is really, really busy for a while and it's so peaceful and gentle. That's lovely. And Psalm 46 says, be still and know that I'm God. And that's okay. But that's written in a time of great trauma of earthquakes and the earth giving way. And so when there is all of that action going around us that's destructive, then we do need to be be still and know that God is God. But generally speaking, we don't want to be becalmed. We don't want to become becalmed because we're vulnerable. It gets pretty boring. It gets really frustrating because we have somewhere to go. Momentum is lost. It can be very worrying because is this the calm before the storm? Before the storm. Oh, we need the wind of God. We need the wind of God to move forwards. We need the wind of God to help us realign our course in life. We need the wind of God to fulfill our God-given destiny. We need the wind of God to be fruitful and faithful. Lift your sails. The wind of God is coming. He comes to us regardless of our age, regardless of our social economic status, regardless of anything, really. He comes to fill us, whether we're young or old. He comes. And then there's fire. God is a consuming fire, the Bible says. We need the fire of God to burn the bridges to our past. Because if anyone is a Christ, he's a new creation. The old has come. The, the new has come. The old has gone. We need to burn the bridges to our bad past. We don't forget it, but we want it to lose its power and its hold over us. Many people face health issues here because they're not able to find that the past has lost its power over us. We need the fire of God to help burn the past. Elisha was called by God to follow Elijah and the first thing he did was he burnt his oxen. What a barbecue that was. I love home cool. Home cool sausages. Oh my goodness. Home cool steaks. They're nice. 
but he burnt them and he burned his plowing equipment. We need to burn the bridges to our past. We won't forget it, but we can find it. It loses its power over our lives. We need the fire of God to cauterize the wounds. Some of you have been wounded in life. All you've got to do to be wounded is live a few days. Babies get wounded even before they're born. We need the fire of God to cauterize wounds. Some of you have been wounded in this church because of what's happened in the past. And wounds can sometimes stay open. You need the cauterizing fire of God. So infection doesn't spread and healing can begin. I've needed it. Regularly need it. We need the fire of God, the fire of God. We need the fire of God to use our gifts to serve, because we live in a country called New Zealand. Some say it's secular. I don't believe that. I think Howard's right. It's just, that's just another faith. There are many people in our country of different faiths. Māori people that I go regularly onto the marae with, and I'm privileged to be a pastor of their local marae and speak some te reo, take many tangis. No, no, there are many people in New Zealand. They come from South Africa. They come from Asia. They come from the Pacific Islands. Our own people, many people in New Zealand have a faith of some sort. And so we're really not a secular nation, but we can find ourselves becoming timid. We can find ourselves clamming up when sometimes we need to speak out. And so Paul wrote to Timothy, who was timid, this is how you can live above your name, Timothy. It's how you can overcome timidity so that you can share the gospel. Fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you. We need the fire of God to... Help us burn up our fears. And we don't want smoke. We don't want smoke. We want the fire of God. Smoke. Smoke can drive the mozzies away, but it gets in our eyes, and it's so frustrating. And I, I am allergic to certain things, and, and I'm, I'm allergic at a barbecue where there's smoke. So one time we had some friends who were having a barbecue, and I put on some goggles. Uh, and and uh, I, I can't remember if I have a snorkel as well. So I was barbecuing with some goggles on, and people thought it was pretty nuts, but I, I didn't care. I wasn't sneezing anymore. That's all that mattered to me. You don't want smoke. You want the fire of God. Smoke's frustrating. doesn't achieve purpose. And we don't want smoldering wicks. It's okay to be a smoldering wick. It's okay to feel like I can't go on. I feel like I've just about lost my faith. And Jesus of Jesus, it was said, the servant, a smoldering wick, he will not snuff out. So it's okay to be in that situation. But we don't want to be smoldering wicks all our lives. We don't want to be smoldering wicks in front of our grandchildren all our lives. We don't want to be smoldering wicks in front of neighbors that need our help. We don't want to be that. We need the fire of God to fan us into flame, to fan us into flame again. We need churches that are on fire. I'm a volunteer firefighter, and, and people don't really turn up to smoke. They turn up to see a fire. We don't want to be smoldering embers or wicks. They don't heat. They don't achieve purpose. And we need the fire of God to burn up the trust in our lives, the wrong motives, selfish ambition. Sometimes we just live and people throw cold water all over us. It happens, doesn't it? Sometimes we've done that to others. We need the fire of God to be to reignite the gospel in our lives. So how can we have this wind of fire? Very briefly, be united one place together. The Bible says God commands his blessing there. Pray regularly. They pray regularly. Believe in Jesus Christ. This is not separate to the gospel. This is part of the gospel. That's why the gospel is the power of God. It's just that we lose that power for all the reasons we've been talking about. 
And then we need to have some expectancy. They were waiting for the promise. And accept this. It's amazing, I think, we can become so self-reliant. We've been hurt so many times, I don't want to trust anybody. Sylvester Stallone coined that little phrase, DTA, don't trust anyone. And sometimes we can be like that, and we can just be so self-reliant that we don't need God. We don't need the promise of God. We don't need the Holy Spirit. We don't need anybody because we've been hurt. Listen, just accept by faith. Agree with God. That's what it means, repent and, be, and receive a time of refreshing. It just means agree with God. I am not enough. I need God's wind and fire of the Holy Spirit. I need the power of God. And lift your sails, lift your hands, lift your hearts. The wind of God is coming. And then Jesus said, just ask. The wind of fire of God is here, here to help us realign with God, help, to help us be refreshed, to help us be reignited, to restore the years that locusts have eaten. And so I'd invite you. I know that this may not be your tradition, uh, but I'd invite you because this, the time is crucial. The, your grandchildren, they, they can see Christ living lovingly and powerfully in your life, and you need the Holy Spirit for that to occur. There are people who are neighbors, need the love and power of Jesus Christ to be shown strongly in your lives. I need that as a preacher. You don't come to be discouraged at your church. Let's be thermostats, not thermometers. And so we need this. Every one of us need this. It may not be your tradition, but I would invite you I'd invite you to stand with me if you want the wind and fire of God to come into your life afresh, to realign your life with the purpose of God, to refresh you, to reignite your faith, to restore the years the locusts have eaten, to help us remember our first love. I, I know I'm talking to people that this connects to. I know that you want this. I know that you want your grandchildren to believe. I know you want sons and daughters to believe. I know, I know that you want the best and our prayers can have a new fervency. Our worship can have a new fervency. Our Bible reading can have new life. So if you would like to stand with me and I'll pray a very simple prayer. Come, wind of God and fire of God. Come. Come and refresh your people here. Realign us with your purposes. Reignite us and restore the years the locusts have eaten. You may feel something. That's okay. That's wonderful. That's great. But what I found is that God often does it and we don't necessarily feel anything, but then suddenly he begins to do something. And we open up that which has become cold and lifeless and suddenly... It becomes real and personal. And we begin to pray and suddenly tears roll down our cheeks because we start praying with a new fervency and a new faith, a new desire. Oh, I know you can relate to this. I know you can connect with us. So I'm going to invite you, if you'd like to stand with me, and I'll pray this prayer. Lord, would you be so kind to... I, I, the, would you, would you be so kind to just strum the guitar for me? The sound of harpists and the wind and fire of God came. Let's pray. Let's pray. 
Dear Lord, dear Lord, thank you for not giving up on us. And God, I just pray will you help us. Wind and fire of God, come and realign us with your purposes and refresh us and reignite our love for you and our love for the gospel and reignite your love for us, reignite your word in us and your word on written paper, the Bible, and restore those years, Lord. Restore those years. Restore the fervency of prayer and the fervency of worship. Restore a living faith. Restore a relevant faith. Restore the the years the pain has eaten away. Restore that which the enemy has taken. Restore vibrancy and fervency and faith and courage and hope. Restore wind and fire of God. Blow away the cobwebs and fire of God. Burn up and cauterize the wounds. Restore and bring healing. Lord, I ask these things for all these blessed wonderful, cherished people of God here. I pray this in the name of Jesus who went to the cross for us and rose again from the dead for us and is coming back for us. Hallelujah. And He has not given up on us. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you for the miracles that you're going to be doing. And if you can say amen with me, please say it. Amen. You might like to do what I like the South Africans to do. Like to shout hallelujah. Okay, let's do it like they do in South Africa. Hallelujah. Sorry, I'm only 60. Forgive me. Okay, when I get to 85, maybe I won't do it. God bless you. The best years are yet to come. Yes, there's been wounds. The best years are yet to come. I speak with urgency because I just do. I speak with urgency because the, the time is near. I speak with urgency because there are people that are really, really hurting and they need you. They need this church to be on fire. And the fire of God is a beautiful thing. Well, we don't have it anymore in a lot of present churches. That burning bush didn't consume the burning bush. It's just a holy fire. God's not going to consume you. He's just going to make your life so attractive and so more vibrant and alive. And I don't know about you. I need that. I need it all the time because I make mistakes. And you need it too. This church needs it. This church needs it. Don't settle for what the enemy sows into your life. Settle for what God has put before you. And respond to a wonderful pastor and leader here. God's placed here for such a time as this. I honor him. And I honor you. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you, Howard.